Hi, welcome to the New Story Church podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. I'm Dave Martinki, and I'm going to be sharing this morning from Psalm 145. Now, if you brought your Bible this morning, you can go to Psalm 145. If you have your device, you can go to your Bible app and look up Psalm 145. Or you can even Google Psalm 145, and I'm sure it's there. Now, Scott shared with us last week a specific theme word that we at New Story have for this year. He shared it first at the beginning of the year, and then he shared it again last Sunday. Does anybody remember the theme word for New Story for 2022? Shout it out, loud and proud. Focus, yes. Today, are we going to focus our attention on God as we look at Psalm 145? Scott has been sharing in January about God the Father, and then in March he shared about God the Son, and then, excuse me, in February he shared about God the Son, and then in March he shared about God the Holy Spirit. And um, it was my desire today to grab a psalm that we could really sink our teeth into, which would give us a complete picture of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all in one psalm. And so that's how I came across Psalm 145, which is considered one of the Messianic psalms, a psalm written by King David. Now I'm going to read the psalm in its entirety, 21 verses. Now if you're like me, sometimes around verse 3 or 4, I start to kind of fade out. Don't do that today. I challenge you to stay focused. Remember that word for this year. Starting with verse number one, Psalm 145, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. That's what we were doing this morning. We were singing aloud of the righteousness of God. The Lord is gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints, that's you and I, all your saints will bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. And your dominion endures throughout all generation. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling down and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of the Lord, or the eyes of all, look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. 
He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. And then he closes with this verse. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. Let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. As we consider Psalm 145, I have a question that I would like you to think about. My question is rather simple. What is your perspective and what is your point of view? Are you the kind of person who likes to see the big picture or do you see the details of the situation? I, for one, I'm a big, per, I'm a big picture kind of guy. Often if you were in a, a meeting with me, maybe at work or at a board meeting or a situation where we're brainstorming ideas, frequently I'll use the phrase, let's get up to 35,000 feet and look at the situation. I, I kind of think of an airplane cruising at 35,000 feet above the surface of the earth. You can look down and you can see various circumstances, situations, and how they interact with one another. See, I'm a big picture kind of guy. Maybe you're the more detailed. You like to look at each individual part, almost as dissecting the situation and circumstance little by little. Well, irregardless how you, whether you're a big picture kind of person or whether you like to look at the details, we all have a perspective. What is your perspective? The psalmist David reminds us of a perspective of God, righteous, holy, majestic, powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, caring, good, kind, everlasting. That was David's perspective. But what's your perspective? How do you see God? What is your point of view? Well, let's look at a couple of pictures just for fun this morning, okay? I'm going to show you a picture that's going to be up on the screen. And I'd like you to answer for me, what do you think this is? Anyone takers, what do you think this is? Yell it out loud and proud. I heard cats. Polar bear. A dog. Let's look at the next picture. Same dog. Same dog. Now, <clears throat> some people call these dogs... To me, a dog is like a golden retriever or a Labrador retriever. But hey, we, we, you know, we all have perspective. The perspective of the dog from below, the perspective of the dog from the front. Let's look at another picture just for fun. Let's look. Now, what is this a picture of? Any takers? What do you think this is a picture of? Ooh, I heard it. It's the retina of the eye. The retina of the eye. Now, if you came into my office and sat on my examination table, I would grab my ophthalmoscope, and I would look inside your pupil, and I would look back in the back of your eye, and this is what I would see. It's the retina. It's the photographic membrane of your eye. It's loaded with rods and cones that are little receptors that receive the light that's coming through the pupil, causing those to be stimulated and send electrical impulses through your optic nerve back to the posterior aspect of your occipital region, which is where you, you process sight. The retina of the eye, a specific perspective of the eye. Let's pull back of the retina and let's see what perspective we have as we pull back. Ooh, now we see a beautiful blue eye. 
beautiful blue eye. It's, it's farther back. We're, we're changing our perspective. As we change our perspective, now we see the iris, the blue iris, the black pupil in the middle. We see the white sclera covered by conjunctiva. We see the cornea over the pupil and the iris. We see the upper lid, the lower lid, the um, superorbital ridge over the eye, the eyelashes upper and lower. Same eye, different perspective. Well, let's change our perspective once more and let's pull back a little bit more. And now, not only do we see one eye, we see six beautiful blue eyes on three beautiful women. My wife, Daryl Ann, my daughter, Elizabeth, on her wedding day, and my other daughter, Rachel, who was her maid of honor. An hour before her wedding, six beautiful eyes, all a different perspective, the retina, the blue eye, the people who possess those eyes. Different perspective. Well, let's have fun one more time. Let's look at the next picture. In this picture, any takers, what's this a picture of? Okay, it's a sunrise. It's a sunrise. This is a sunrise. Now, if you said sunset, you get points. It's okay, I'm not gonna say no, because in this picture all by itself, it's kind of hard to tell whether it's a sunrise or a sunset. This is actually a sunrise. And so the sun rises in the south. East, sun rises in the east, and then the next picture, the sun is overhead at noontime, and then the sun sets in the north. The West, very good. The sun sets in the West. Give that boy a lollipop. <laughs> sun rises in the East, is overhead, sets in the West. Sun rises in the East, is overhead, sets in the West. Sun rises in the East, is overhead, sets in the West. For millennia, mankind who lived upon the earth thought it was their perspective that the sun travels around the earth. Why? Because every day it rises in the east, goes overhead, sets in the west. Rises in the east, goes overhead, sets in the west. Clearly the sun revolves around the earth. That was their perspective. And then certain things took place. We look at the next picture. Picture a sky lab. We started traveling into outer space. And even the next picture shows us a picture of earth from a satellite orbiting earth, taking a picture of earth itself. And what we've learned over the ages is that indeed the sun does not travel around the earth. But as we think of our solar system, the earth and the planets revolve around the sun. Let's look at that. Yeah. The solar system, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, all the different planets circling the earth. What's your perspective? How do you see God? What's your point of view? Is your perspective accurate? Is it true? You know, I have to be transparent with you this morning. Many, many times in my life, I have felt that I am the center of the world and everything revolves around me. Every relationship, every activity, after all, it's all about me. My wants, my desires, my needs. 
You see, I can share that with you this morning unashamedly because you have often wrestled with the same thing. If you're honest with yourself this morning, there are times where you have felt that the world revolves around you. It's a perspective. Perspective. Well, you say, no, Dave, that's not me. I'm not self-centered. I'm not self-focused. As a matter of fact, Dave, I pray every day. Have you listened to yourself pray? Lord, please watch over me. Lord, please care for me. Lord, please help me as I go to work with that grumpy person. Lord, please help me at work to ask for the raise which I really deserve. Lord, please care for me. Lord, protect me. Lord, watch over me. Please heal me, Lord. Oh, Dave, you're exaggerating. I pray for other people, and that's good. We should pray for our needs, and we should pray for the needs of others. But how often do we sit in the presence of God as the psalmist David encourages us to do in Psalm 145 and simply look to him, his attributes, his holiness, his righteousness, his goodness, his mercy, his loving kindness, his everlasting kingdom, and simply focus our perspective on him. Let me give you another example. I shared before that Daryl and I have a, a little cottage in Canada, north of the Thousand Islands. Now, we've only been there once since COVID over the last two years because we were unable to cross the border. But before COVID, we would go to our little cottage on a lake in the woods, and we would go there about six or seven times a day. Or sorry, a year, I apologize. Seven times, six or seven times a year. It was about a five-hour drive, so you couldn't do that many times in one day. And you know, a funny thing happened whenever we went to the cottage in Canada. You had to cross the U.S.-Canadian border. Makes sense. You're in America. You got to get to Canada. I'm sure we've all crossed the U.S.-Canadian border at some time, point in time of our lives. Well, I would do it maybe five or six or seven times a year as we would go to the cottage. Something would always happen. I would drive up to the inspection booths in front of me, and there were maybe seven inspection booths with seven lines of cars, and I would go into a line. And when I go into the line, it was always the slowest line. Now, it didn't matter if I was on the right or the left or the middle or whichever one I choose, I chose the slowest line every time. I don't like waiting. I'm not good at waiting. You can ask my lovely wife. 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 60 minutes, an hour and 15 minutes waiting in line to declare nothing. And then as I would approach the inspection booth, I'd look in my rearview mirror, and what, what was that? What was that in my rearview mirror? Holy cow, there's a guy driving down the side of the road, down the shoulder. He cut right in front of me. I waited for an hour and 15 minutes. Why didn't that bozo have to wait for an hour and 15 minutes? What gives him the right to cut in front of me at the last minute? That's just not right. All about me. What I have to do. How I have to wait. My sense of justice. As we see the solar system, we have to remember that we are not the center of the world. The earth does not rotate around us in every circumstance. But we are to look to God as the author and finisher of our faith. 
So let's do that. Let's look in Psalm 145. And as we do that, we're going to address three questions. Three questions. The first question which we're going to address is which verses of this psalm focus on the attributes of God? Which verses of this psalm focus on the attributes of God? Let's look at some of them. God is king, therefore he's sovereign over all. He's the absolute ruler. God's greatness is unsearchable. God has commendable, or another word for commendable is praiseworthy works and mighty acts. God is majestic, and God has wondrous works. God is mighty and great, and God has awesome deeds. God has abundant goodness and righteousness. God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Ooh, let that, let that settle into your soul for a second this morning. Let's just camp out on that for a second. God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Who, who of us could rightfully raise our hand this morning and say, I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in steadfast love. What's your perspective of God? How, how do you see God? Are there times in your life where you see God as hovering over you with a big, a big stick or maybe even a baseball bat in his hand, just waiting for you to get out of line? And when you get out of line, whack, he's got it for you. Is that your perspective of God? Well, thankfully, we know from the psalmist's words that that was not his perspective. God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God is good to all and merciful to all he has made. God is powerful and God has a glorious kingdom. God has mighty deeds. And catch this one in verse 13. God's kingdom is everlasting and eternal. And God is faithful in his words and kind in his acts. Think of that, faithful in his words. Who of us could say that we are fully faithful in the words that we speak? When we say something, people can count on the words that we speak because we speak the truth and we will follow through. God is faithful, faithful. Not only is he faithful in his words, but he's kind in all that he does. That's the God that we serve. God is righteous and kind. As you consider these verses, does it change your perspective just a little bit? Does it help turn your eyes from yourself to God as we can look at him in his character, in his attributes, as we think of his faithfulness, holiness, righteousness, goodness, power, knowledge, omniscience, presence. As I thought of this message, and I thought of Scott sharing about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, it was my desire to have a psalm that would totally and completely encompass the nature of God, that we could look to him and it would help us stay focused on him and his attributes. And as I did that and I studied this psalm, a second question emerged. A second question emerged. And what was that question? Which verses of this psalm speak of God's impact on me? 
See, what I realized as I was studying this psalm is my eyes were being pointed to God and his attributes and his characteristics, that something was happening. The psalmist was also noticing that God turned his face towards the psalmist and towards us. And he interacts with kindness and mercy and love and caring and compassion, personal, even, I could say, intimate. As I thought of this, I, I came back to the thought of the solar system, thinking about how the sun has the earth orbiting around it every year, year after year after year, the earth orbiting around the sun. Did you ever ask yourself the question, why does the earth keep orbiting around the sun? Why doesn't the earth just fly off into the universe someplace, wherever it wants to go, and never, never land, just floating throughout the universe. Why does the earth keep orbiting around the sun year after year after year? Who knows? Louder. The gravitational pull. The sun is made up of this dense mass of hydrogen gas, exploding and giving forth light and even life and warmth. The dense mass of the sun, the huge mass of the sun, creates a gravitational pull upon the earth, keeping the earth tightly orbiting year after year around the sun. Do you see where I'm going? Do you know what I'm going to tell you next? Just as the sun has a gravitational pull upon the earth, keeping it in orbit, so God the Father has a gravitational pull on each one of us, pulling us into relationship with him personally, intimately, holding us in relationship as the sun holds the relationship with the earth. It's God's pull upon our heart. You have felt it in your life. You know it. See, because the Bible says that no man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. Those of us who have named the name of Christ as our Lord and Savior, we've known the pulling of God's Spirit, drawing us into relationship with Him. You see, it's all about God. In January, we learned about God the Father. God the Father is pulling us into relationship with Him. And then in February, we learned about God the Son. God the Son provides salvation, living a perfect, sinless life dying upon the cross, dead and buried, conquering sin and death, rising from the dead, and then God the Spirit is the comforter who is with us now, even living within our hearts as we confess him as Lord and Savior. The work was totally done by God the Father drawing us, God the Son saving us, God the Spirit keeping us in relationship with him. All work done by God. We often think that we get our salvation by our work. No, no, no. All done by God. Yes, we yield to him by accepting him because of free will. But the work is all done by the Lord. Well, let's uh, answer this second question. Which of the verses of the Psalms speak of God's impact on me? How about verse 14? God upholds those who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. Verse 15, God gives food to those who look to him. In God 16, God satisfies the desires of every living thing. 
If you are living this morning, God satisfies your desires. Verse 18, God is near to all who call on him in truth. Let's just pause for a second on that. Do you feel that you are not close to God? Have, have you turned your back on God? Or worse yet, do you feel or sense that God has turned his back on you? I have good news for you today. God is near. He's as near as the individual sitting next to you. Matter of fact, he's nearer yet to your heart. And he is near to you as you call on him in truth. 19, God fulfills the desire of those who fear him and he provides salvation. It's God who provides salvation, drawing us as God the Father, saving us as God the Son, dwelling with us eternally as God the Spirit. And God preserves those who love him, verse 20. See, it's amazing what happens. The psalmist first causes us in Psalm 145 to look at the attributes of God. And in so doing, he turns our attention to see how God is interacting with us, loving us, caring for us, providing for us, protecting us, raising us up, providing mercy, providing salvation, providing a personal relationship and an intimacy which we can know which transcends all other relationships. And then we're left with the third question. The third question is the question that was actually coined by theologian, Fra theologian Francis Schaeffer. I shared with it before when I've spoken. I love this third question. It's a question that you should ask yourself anytime you hear the word of God preached, anytime you read the word of God, anytime God's spirit moves upon your heart, you ask yourself the third question. The third question is this. How should we then live? How should we then live? With this new understanding or experience of the Holy Spirit, with this new understanding of Psalm 145, with this new perspective in my life, which whatever it is which I just learned from God or from the one who spoke of God's goodness, whatever I learned, how do I apply it to my life? How should we live? And then the psalmist does a wonderful thing. The psalmist answers the question, the third question, how should we live? The psalmist answers it in the very last verse of this psalm. Psalm 21, David says, my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. Let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. David psalms it all up. That's what it's all about. It's all about us praising and glorifying God. It's all about all flesh of his creation, blessing his holy name now and forevermore. You see, I have to be honest with you today. There were times where I kind of got it messed up. I didn't have the right perspective. Let me explain that to you. See, I thought in, in, in Christ, I thought the most important thing, I thought my purpose in life was to be happy. I, I thought my purpose in life was to be satisfied. You see, the reason why I thought that is because Daryl Ann and I, we have three wonderful children. We love with the deepest passion of our heart, Benjamin, Elizabeth, and Rachel. We love them completely, utterly completely. And, and the love that we have for our children, how many times, Daryl Ann, have we said, we just want them to be happy? We've prayed it. Lord, just help our children to be happy, to be satisfied in you, to be happy. 
We have grandchildren, Josiah, Faith, Evangeline, and two grandchildren who have yet to be born and will be born in the months ahead. We just want our grandkids to be happy. It's so important. We want them to be happy. See, that was my prayer. But Psalm 145 has changed my perspective. I'm not saying that happiness isn't important. What I'm saying is happiness is not our purpose. Our purpose in life is not to be happy. Mark my words clearly. Our purpose in life is to worship God. That's why we were created, to worship God. God. Yes, happiness will come in certain seasons of our life. Yes, satisfaction will come in certain seasons of our life. But ultimately, our purpose is not to be happy. Our purpose is to worship God. We learn that from David in in verses 21, and we know it is true within our heart. And how do we worship God? Our purpose in life is to worship God. We do so in our thoughts and in our words. We worship him in our work and in our actions in our prayers, and in our praise. You see, tomorrow, as we go about life, we will have thoughts. Maybe we will need to figure out solutions to certain problems that we are faced with or certain situations that we find ourselves in. As we come across solutions to those problems, it is a worship to God under the thoughts that we have. The the words that we speak... When we interact with our loved ones and those that we are most intimate with, as we speak words of love and kindness and generosity, we are worshiping God. As we speak to our family members and we speak words of kindness and goodness, we are worshiping God. When we go to work and speak to our associates with kindness and clarity and honesty, we are worshiping God. And yes, even when we are confronted with our enemies who hate us, who criticize us, who chastise us, and hurt us. We have opportunity with our words to worship God in our work and in our actions. Tomorrow, I'm going to go to the office, Primary Care Western New York. I have a schedule full of patients who are going to want to see me. I'm going to diagnose medical conditions, formulate treatment plans, and assist my patients. I will be worshiping God as I care for patients in the office. My wife, Daryl Ann, is a triage nurse at the office. People are going to be calling her with problems that are upsetting, that are painful, that are difficult. Some people will be angry. Some people will be selfish and self-centered. Some people will just simply be in pain. She will be worshiping God as she brings life and health to the people who you speak with. Some of you are college students. Tomorrow you have the opportunity of going to a class and learning new information. As you sit in that class and absorb and learn new information and assimilate that information into your life plan, you will be worshiping God in the classroom. Some of you administrative assistant, police, officer, teacher. Maybe you're the president of a company. Maybe you have a home business. Maybe you're stay-at-home mom. Whatever you do this week, you have the opportunity to worship God. Let your work and actions worship God. And in your prayers and in your praise, we worship God. Because we remember that the purpose in our life is not happiness. It's not even satisfaction. It's not even safety. The purpose of our life 
is to worship God. Remember, change your perspective. Change your focus. We exist for God. He does not exist for us. We exist for God. He does not exist for us. And so with that, I'd like to close with the same question that I opened with. What is your perspective? How do you see God? How do you see life? Do you see life as being in the center of your own universe and everything focusing around you? Or do you see God as the psalmist David did in Psalm 145, as exalted King of kings, Lord of lords, holy, majestic, true, honest, loving, caring, providing, almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God who loves you, who cares for you, who desires relationship for you. And whether you're a Christian or whether you're not, God is pulling upon your heart by his spirit. He is drawing you into relationship with him. For those who have not yet named the name of Christ who are present in our auditorium this morning or watching online, God is drawing you into relationship with him. That's the tug that you felt on your heart. That's why you're even listening to my words as opposed to shutting them off. It's God's draw. It's God's gravitational force. It's God's pull on your heart to relationship with him. And so I close with the final picture of our solar system to remind us at this time that the world does not revolve around us, but just as the earth and the planets orbit around the sun, so we have opportunity to be in orbit with God, being pulled by him, God the Father, saved by his Son, kept by his Spirit. So like the earth, we don't have to worry about flying into oblivion, but we can stay close to him. One last thought. I am not foolish. I know that in an auditorium of this size or with people watching online, that many of us are in very difficult circumstances. Many of us are in situations that are beyond our control. Some of the situations which we are each in are painful, they're difficult, they're challenging. We're facing things that we never thought we'd have to face. I would like to remind you today that although you may not have chosen your circumstance, although you may not have chosen your present situation, it might have been foisted upon you, not of your choosing. There is one thing that you can choose. The choice that you can make is you can choose your perspective. What will be the perspective that you choose this day? And how will you live your life in the weeks ahead? Let's pray.